Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Colleen Biggs, founder of The Leap Community, an elite community of women entrepreneurs who are driven by their passions. After coaching over 340 CEOs to build thriving businesses, Colleen says she found the number one rule in business building. It's tell everyone about you. So I've asked Colleen to join us here today to talk about building businesses, families, and the communities around them. So Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh man, I'm so good. Yeah. So good. We were just talking earlier before we jumped on here and I wake up every, this morning, I just woke up happy. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. And that's not every day. But today I woke up happy and I think it has a lot to do with unplugging yesterday, taking some time. And I do that occasionally because I was working four weeks in a row without a day mm. off. And I took some time off and it's, whoa, that changes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually recently deleted all the social media apps off my phone. Messengers and chats, like the chat apps that where it's commute, it's just messaging back and forth, but nothing that scrolls, nothing that pops up, nothing that invites me to someone's talking about me here. None of that. Just almost like email for social. That's all I got on my phone. And it's just freed up so much of my time and attention. I think it's really important because not everything in the jungle kills you and eats you. Some things try to feed on you as much as possible for as long as possible without being noticed. And I think that really happens today with our attention, you know, because people, I always thought when you're consuming, you're spending money, but when you're producing, you're making money. Right. So you either mm -hmm. need to consume to learn a skill or a habit or something, or you're just consuming to waste time. Good Amen. on you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hey, hallelujah. So before we <laughs> hop into all of this and we talk about building businesses, how did you even get into business? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Were your parents entrepreneurs as well? No, I came from a family of like scarcity, of poverty, right. of my dad was I felt like my dad was like from that musical, the music man. He was like the traveling sales guy. Okay, okay. He was constantly traveling. He was in sales. I felt like my dad would try every new thing, like the new golden shiny thing. He tried network marketing. He tried to run his own business, ran that mm -hmm. into the ground. He would be a salesman and then some friend of a friend would get him a job. So I don't feel like... I ever had that person to look up to. Mm -hmm. I watched my father fail a lot. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I ever want to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. because that's like a big failure. Just like I watched their marriage fail. And then I was like, maybe I don't want to grow up and get married and have babies and stay home and have my husband support me because look what just happened. Right. So my whole kind of vision of my life changed at a very young teenage year. And I was like, the most important thing for me right now is knowledge because I can't rely on anyone and financial independence. Those were my two things, knowledge and financial independence. And for years, I was a W-2 employee because I was safe and that felt good, but I was really good at climbing the corporate ladder. So I was really good at generating more income and keep climbing, but there just becomes a point where you hit like this ceiling kind ceiling, of, yeah. Like, yeah, that's where I was. And I was like, this isn't enough money. This isn't right. enough of what I love. This right. isn't enough freedom of time. This isn't enough of anything anymore. And it's like, yeah, that out-of-body experience, Daryl, yep. where you're like looking at your life, but you're like looking at it from the outside, looking in. Yep. And I was like, I don't want to play in the sandbox anymore. I want more. Yeah, I'm going to figure it. out how to go get it. 
Yeah. I love it. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I was scared as hell. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Really? Yeah. I, when I took that leap, I believed in myself and I was like, I can do anything. But then there was a point that I was like, can you, Yeah. could you, are you really going to be able to? And it's come on, I've done over 300 of these. I can easily build a business, but then that in the back of my mind, yeah, but you watched your dad fail. Yeah. But you've watched other people fail. Yeah. But what if, and it was like, yeah, but what if I'm awesome? Yeah. Yeah, But what if I can do it? And it's, you know what? I'm going to bank on that. Not all of the negative things from my childhood. I'm not going to do that crap. I love that. Yeah. That's smart. That's really smart. Cause ultimately we're all going to die anyways. Spoiler alert. Nobody gets out of life alive. So we like don't ruin it, but at the same time, live, enjoy today, but live for tomorrow at the same time. I feel like that, but for you, I think it's just a much, it's a good perspective to have because so you try, even if you failed, you tried and you failed. So what, you know, it's better than there's just accepting and cow towing your head and just what I just, you talked about waking up happy. I really believe happiness is something we create. It's not something we find and we create it in pursuit of meaningful goals. Oh How yeah. It fluctuates on a regular basis. If artificial happiness was what it was all about, I could just be a heroin addict and ta-da, now I'm happy. That's not really it. There's things in life that you achieve that just give you a sense of pride whenever you think about them. And that's meaning like that's there's just a lot of substance that I think people have lost track of in this instant gratification, one click game like society that we've fallen into now, where there it's meaningful to set a big goal and work towards it. You know, I think that's really it's huge. Like to have that self-satisfactory. And I do a lot of this in relation to sports. I set these goals to achieve something in sports. So maybe I did it back in the day when I was a dance student. And then Mm. when I got older, I would start running. And so I would achieve running 10 miles and then a half marathon and then a marathon. And there's something about achieving that and working toward it. And then I went into martial arts and became a black belt. Black belt. Was- yeah. Which art did you do? Taekwondo. Taekwondo. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in my forties when we got there, but my husband and I would play softball together. And there was just a lot of achievement in the sports element for me. And I love to push myself beyond what I think is capable to mm-hmm. just test myself. And that's how I physically grow. And mm-hmm. it's how I mentally grow. And I, I think that is just as important as us talking about happiness is the knowledge piece. We have to constantly push ourselves past that comfort zone just to see what happens. You can always shrink back if it's uncomfortable for a while, but you'll never expand it if you don't stand outside of it for a bit. There's a lot of investments my husband and I have made that didn't turn out so great. And then there were others that turned out great. So I would rather have that up and down and that ebb and flow and keep going at it than to have died or be on my deathbed and say, wow, that was a boring life. It was all pre-planned and I took no risks and I never pushed myself to see what was possible. I just was bored. Yeah, it was boring. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite philosophers is a guy named Alan Watts. And he has this talk he gives called the dream. And the idea is that imagine every night you went to sleep, you could dream a hundred years of life. Every night you go to sleep, you could dream a hundred years or however many years you want. So every night you go to sleep, you dream a whole lifetime 
of all the events and things that could possibly happen. And in the beginning, you dream the most lavish, luxurious lives that you could possible. But eventually that would get boring. And then you'd want some excitement and risk and danger. And you'd come out of it and be like, oh, that was a close call. But it still wouldn't be enough because you'd know that you'd wake up at the end and everything would be okay. And so one night, you'd want to go to sleep and go, tonight, when I sleep, these 100, 150 years of living, I don't want to know that I'm going to wake up and it's all going to be okay. I want to be fully engaged in the risk, in the danger, in the challenges, in the obstacles. And in the infinite possibilities of the universe, you could go to sleep and dream the life that you're dreaming right now. That's the point that he's making, right? So I, I think that's just, fan yeah. And even if you think if we have an immortal soul, not to get all spiritual on that, but if we have an immortal soul, if something like people talk about, and even people that think AI is going to help us live forever. Okay, great. If that happens, if all of a sudden you have an infinite timeline, what do you value? What are the trophies that you collect? Are the trophies that your soul would collect be the times that you just got by that you just, that you just were like, ah, that's okay. Or was it when you faced an, a seemingly insurmountable challenge and rose above and did something meaningful that paid forward for generations? Like that's, so again, like what kind of games you guys want to play, right? Play long-term games with long-term people and things for significance, things you can be proud of. So. That's what pains me about culture and society today, where it's like, you can't have a winner and you can't have a loser. And I felt like myself growing yeah. up in school, having that chance to win or having that chance to work hard or be first place and get a first place ribbon meant something to me. In fact, right. just about three years ago, I went in and I unpacked all of my medals and trophies. And I have so many necklaces from marathons and I unpacked them all. I unpacked the very first magazine I ever produced, the very first magazine I was ever in, certificates. And I lined my office wall with an achievement wall and it sits right in front of me all day. And it's a reminder to me of what I'm, what's possible, what I've achieved, what I've accomplished. And it's like this motivation to keep me going because I always tell people, if you want to see what you're truly committed to, look at your results. Mm -hmm. You're truly committed to it. Like people that'll say, oh, I can't do that detox. Oh yeah, I, I can't go that long without eating. I, it's like every human body can go that long without eating. We were designed for that. If you want to do a water fast, do a water fast, but people will make excuses for it. And so yeah. I don't look at excuses. I look at how can we create a solution for something? And maybe that solution doesn't work, but mm -hmm. I'll tell you what you learn from it. And it becomes yeah. like these to me, because I've made so many failures, I've created my own little analogy around it. Failures are like this, these little stepping stones and pedestals for me to really stand on, to get up, to see the full vision of yep. what I need to do. If I am in the weeds and I refuse to make any steps okay. or yeah. and mistakes, how am I ever going to get up to see I've got it. There's have to be those stepping stones yeah. and I've made a lot, right. but it will never stop me because my philosophy is this. Okay, so I spent $50,000. It was a bad deal. I'll just go make more money. And I just leave it in the past. Yeah. I learned. I will not make that mistake again yeah. that exact same way. But that's not going to stop me from investing the next 50 ever. Right, right. Ever. right. Money it's mistakes are the best ones to make because you can make more money. It's hard to get, earn back your health. It's hard to repair relationships. You'll never get your time back. Money mistakes, you can go make more. You can go make more money.
Yeah. You have young children, right, Daryl? Yes, four. I have older children. We're talking like 26 to 38. So trust me when I tell you your children, when you get older, they're going to come back and tell you all the amazing mistakes you made raising right. them. They'll tell you. <laughs> and you know what? You just say, I'm sorry. Is this something we need to talk through? Do we need to go to therapy? Where are you at right now? And I always tell them I did the best I could do with the knowledge that I was given and what I had in front of me at the time. I made yeah. the best decisions and you will too as a parent and I'll right. be there oh, to support you. hundred percent. There's a guy who wrote yeah. a book called The Fourth Turning and in it he describes, I think it's four types of generations. There's like the hero generation, the artist generation, the prophet mm -hmm. generation, and there's another, the nomad generation. And then of course there's characters to it. But it's the whole concept of your parents overprotect you. So you say, when I have kids, I'm not going to shelter them. And then your kids grow up and go, you didn't protect me. And then they grow up and it's this four generational cycle of you didn't do this and I'm not going to do that to my kids. And it's just, when you talked about knowledge and the creation of knowledge, that's the foundation of science. So science that Karl Popper was the first real, one of the best educators on the scientific method before. And he had a formula. It was P1 plus TS plus EE equals P2. So P1 is problem one. You have a problem plus TS, temporary solution. This is my hypothesis plus EE. You eliminate the errors. You eliminate the errors through experimentation, observation, data collection, research, talking to others that have done the same thing. And at the end of that, you either arrive at problem two or you still have problem one, but you've got more learnings and you come up with a new temporary solution. It's very cyclical in nature. And it's just describing exactly like exactly as you said, this is how science is supposed to work. Now, science has been perverted and corrupted in certain respects uh, for profit, for funding and all that. But that's why it's important, like even what you say, that we're aware of this because you can't delegate responsibility to somebody else. You, you have to read the research papers yourself. You have to get involved in the field or you really have to vet the experts that you choose to follow. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the goals right there is follow experts. Like you should constantly be in this cycle of learning. I have this quote that I use all the time that says, if learning is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And I always tell mm. everyone, don't ever expect to be a great leader. If you're not willing to learn, if you're that, right. I know, I know, I know, I just right. see you as blocked and locked. Yeah. Like you're not willing to take any other information in. Yeah. Even though last year it was that way, that doesn't mean this year it's that way. Right, look at the right. pandemic. Look at 2008. Look at the Great Depression. Let's go through all of the cycles of what everyone thought they knew. And then everyone had to shift and pivot and shift and pivot. And you've got to change the way things used to be to create a new normal. Yep. Like for anyone to say, I can't wait till it gets back to normal. No, it'll never get back to the way it was before you have to create a new one. So you should never be the smartest person in the room. Like I will, I never want to be that person where it's like, everybody's coming to me because I uh, know everything. Uh, I, I want to be the one sitting there, like asking the questions to learn. Uh, and yeah. I don't know how you feel, Daryl, but would you say, I really feel 80% attitude an 80% mindset and 80% drive is really what creates success. 20% of that, if you had that in a knowledge and in skill, you could probably be extremely successful if you had the drive. Yeah, to a certain extent. There are, yeah. th there are caveats to that. 
So obviously, if you had a car, I talk about this in terms of like why exercise, you talked about this before, why taking care of your health and exercise is important. Creatures that don't move have smaller brains. So if you had a car that never went anywhere, you don't need wheels, you don't need an engine, you don't need an exhaust pipe, you don't need a horn, you don't need windshield wipers, you don't need signals, turn signals. So you have to, so when you talk about drive and motivation, that's what it is to me. You have to move, you have to be moving your life in a direction. But Jim Rohn always says, if you have an idiot and you motivate them, all you have now is a motivated idiot. What they need is an education to point them in the right direction. And then at least they'll get there. So it really is important that you have, I mean, no one's going to come to your rescue. This is again, another spoiler alert. No one's coming to save you. You, we all have to save ourselves and everybody that's waiting for a handout or the government or someone to come take care of them. They're not going to, what ends at what happens in the end. You look outside with the birds and the bees and stuff there, they don't get days off. My cat just climbed this tree across the street from us. And when I was working out this morning, we saw it, the branch fell, my cat fell, but the bird's nest was safe. And I was just thinking that bird doesn't get a weekend. I can't be like, Hey cat, sorry, it's my holiday. Come back tomorrow. Like every day they have to be looking for food and foraging. These weekends is just a, it's, it's a societal construct. that's not based in reality. You talked about participation awards before participation rewards will make you feel good. Okay. Hopefully it keeps you moving forward. But at the end of the day, reality is real. Like you get, do the kids have food or not? Did your body fight off the invading bacteria or whatever, or not? Like, it's just, it's, did you get the girl that you wanted or not? It's very much, that is very much the world that we live in. To a certain extent it is. We, if you took a list of all your favorite, I did this when I had my martial arts school, I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu and yeah, done a list of insane. all the things you would want in a coach. And everything that you wrote down. And what we realized is that just a few were like hard skills and the rest were all soft skills. Like you want them to be patient and understanding and knowledgeable. And you want them to be, have a proven track record, right? But you also want them to be care, to be sympathetic, have empathy. All these are soft skills. So it is to a certain extent. Now, what would you recommend though, to someone who's starting out and struggling? Maybe they are motivated. Maybe they have the drive. Maybe they feel like I have the mindset, I can do it but they're still struggling. What would you recommend to someone like that? Number one thing I would recommend is start putting people in your path that have the knowledge that you need to gain. Number one thing. I think about like Henry Ford. He was persecuted over and over again, taken into court. They hated it that he wasn't extremely knowledgeable on every facet of the engine or the business. He had to hire engineers. He said, why do I have to know all of this information when I can push any button on my desk and get someone in here to answer the question for you. So mm -hmm. I think that's where that comes from for me way back in history, which is I don't have to be the know-it-all. I don't need to consume all the knowledge and be the encyclopedias and the dictionary. I just need to have people in my on my team, in my circle, on my extended team. So I might have a mentor, I might have a coach, I might have a teacher, I might have a community. I need to have the knowledge pool mm -hmm. around me that I can mm -hmm. tap into it when I need to tap into it. And that's mm -hmm. for me, is the number one thing that most people make the biggest mistake on. They're like, I've got to learn the knowledge and I can do it on my own. And it's no, you want to bring in a team to help you grow this because someone's going to have knowledge or an idea, or maybe they've done it in the past and they've screwed up. And now you're going down that same path. And if you don't listen to what they say, you're going to screw up too. So I just find there's this faster path to wealth that can happen if you're willing to be humble, have some humility and say, I don't know this 
Can you teach me? And I think that is the sign of a great leader, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. What are some of the biggest mistakes? That's a great <laughs> tip for someone who's starting and struggling. Is there a three, four, five, ten? What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making? Oh, okay. Number one, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is I call it like ready, aim, they never fire. I say, get ready and fire. Like, in fact, I just say, skip the ready and go to fire. There is, no one can see like behind the curtain. How many times have you done business with a business that you thought was massive? And then you get in behind the curtain with the owner or, and then you realize this small little company and you, but it appeared from the outside to be like this massive conglomerate of, and everyone was like impressed by them, but they really weren't. They were this smaller company behind the scenes. So I say that because I see so many people stick their feet and their roots in the aim and they're afraid to go to the fire because the minute you fire, everybody knows you're there. The minute you fire, now you can have judgment You can have criticism. You can have backlash. You can have people tell you you don't know what you're doing. Now you're being judged. It's like any actor, actress, book writer, anyone that I've ever heard that has gotten out in the public so big, their biggest thing is everyone's going to find out I'm a fraud. They're going to look behind the curtain and figure out, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I would say that is a huge mistake. And everyone just spends time on perfecting this product or building this website for out days and weeks <laughs> and months and years. Yes. And I'm just like, just get it out there already. So for me, again, I talk that I talk about a lot. The fastest path to wealth is speed. You have to be able to make fast decisions and then correct slowly. Honestly, right. that is a big mistake that people make. They take way too much time getting a concept out there, getting their business out there. They're like, no, we've got to do that. I just remember even owning a business with our kids that we just bought and all the little stuff that they wanted to take care of. And I was like, no, like we need to just start selling, sell, use their recipes, use whatever they've got. We just need to start driving in cash. Then we will start changing the menu. Then we will start doing things a little bit differently our way, but we bought an existing business. We just need to get out there and blow this thing wide open. And then we start, and I'm now what, like seven or eight, I'm eight months into the business. Now we're changing things. Now we're changing prices. We're doing things a little bit different. Now we've got our feet wet. Now we are stable. Now we're marketing differently. We're having conversations differently. Now we're actually getting out there with a different type of marketing plan. So again, sometimes you have to like, just go to market with what you've got and then to generate the income. That's the biggest thing I tell everyone. How are you running this business if you're not generating income? Your number one goal is to generate income. Isn't that why you started the business? I I don't know. For me, clarity is a big piece. And I see so many people go at a business with no plan, no clarity, no numbers, no plan, no, what are you going? It's like having a dartboard and you have no, it just all is the same color. What do you shoot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah. I think that's great. That's actually the name of a book, Ready, Fire, Aim. I, I always it? say, yeah, it's a good, it's a good book. It's a Ready, Fire, Aim. It's the perfect concept. 
Because you don't know, there's a guy I, I really admire, his name's Naval. He's had 70 successful exits from companies. He's a serial investor in startups. He start, founded in Twitter, founded in early, early stage founder, investor story in Twitter and Uber, Foursquare, all these companies that people know. Uh, Clubhouse, I think he was an early investor in that. Nice. He's had 70 successful exits. 10 of those companies were unicorns. They were billion dollar companies. And one of the things that he talks about is that it's not 10,000 hours, it's 10,000 iterations. And that's like what you're saying. We got to, we can't stop. Like you said to your kids, we can't stop to fix everything. We have to keep going and then get some data and then iterate. Yeah. And I love that. Now, yeah. how, do you, how would you teach someone? What's your 30, 30 second, three minute workshop on how to sell? Oh, because <laughs> you're like, selling. a lot of people feel like they, they yeah, yeah, I don't sell. I don't sell. So I'm not a skeevy salesperson. I've never sold a thing in my life. I literally attract people and offer opportunities. That's all I do. Ooh, so I how do you do sell. that? Yeah. One, I am very clear on what who I serve and how I serve them. So I'm attracting those women for one, because I serve women that are building businesses that are looking to generate more money. So it's the content that I put out. It's what I talk about. It's the workshops that I run. Everything I do is very clear in my message on how I serve people. So when a woman is struggling in that area of her business and she knows the only way I'm going to generate money is if I can get someone on my team that can show me how to do it. And I'm the person that is that bridge and that answer to what she has, it's very easy for her to know I'm the right person for her to work with. One, because she's going to be attracted to my personality. She's been paying attention to me. She knows how I do things. I'm not going to change the way I do things for a client at all, ever. So they're going to know how I work, how clear I am, how I walk through my system, how I build the clarity, the business plan, the blueprint for them, and then create their action steps. And then here you go. This is what you do. I'm very clean, easy, clear. And I'm very straightforward on that, no matter what stage I'm on, whether it's a podcast, Mm -hmm. whether it's a physical stage, whether it's at a huge conference and they hired me to come in and be a keynote speaker, teach a workshop for the city, whatever that looks like. I am very clear when I walk in the door, what my values are, what I stand for, who I am. And I show up exactly like that everywhere. So when you're consistent like that, no one ever questions what you're capable of. Your business also shows success. So Mm -hmm. if I was a fraud and I was out there making 30 grand a year saying, I can help you grow your business and generate more income. If you want consistent 10, 15, 20, $40,000 a month, you know, if that's what you're looking for, I can help you achieve that. I have to be achieving that. Mm -hmm. I really feel like Mm -hmm. I, I don't go out there and just teach what I'm not able to achieve. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I love it. You do stuff and then you tell people about what you've done and they go, hey, can you help me do that too? That's exactly what I do. And that was five seconds. That was awesome, Daryl. Right. (laughs) The hamster might be dead, but the wheels always turn in. So, all right. So now are there any habits that you feel are super important? You've been involved in so many different kinds of business. Are there any core pillar habits that you think are tried, tested and true and evergreen? Yeah. I will tell you in every business I've ever started, I always have a normal routine. And we taught you and I talked about it. I have three things in the morning that are the most important to me. One, you've got to get up early. 
and I like to get up before the birds are getting up, all that morning stuff. So I really feel like meditation time in the morning, uh, reviewing goals and journaling, it just it, it creates neuropathways in our brain. I believe that people that meditate, journal, review their goals on a regular basis are more motivated and have clear thinking. The other thing is you've got to move your body. Exercising throws a bunch of dopamine, endorphins. Like we just get all of this amazing energy and power from moving our body. So I, and I really feel like being educated. So I spend my morning reading books that feed my knowledge, feed my mindset journal, review my goals and move my body. That's every single morning. That's what I do. And that is a very constructive way to start your morning so that you're not lazy, so that you're not scared, so that you don't wake up in fear, so that you don't feel like today's not your day. I'm not in the mood. I construct my schedule so that I am constantly working toward my goals. I am everything I do in every business. There's this, we, I measure everything back to what the goals are. If it doesn't fit, it's a no, it's easy. Yep. If it matches and gets us toward our goals, it's a yes. So again, that can be a very long vision. So that could be my husband and I saying how we want to retire, which actually the truth is we're never going to retire. But yeah. let's say that we've decided we want to have a certain amount of money to pass on as a legacy, or we want to own a certain amount of properties. So if a deal comes to us and it's going to be an alignment to allow us to get to that goal, then it's a hell yes. And we try and figure it out. If it comes along and it's really not in alignment and it's just this it's squirrel that came along that got in our way, it's no, that's, that doesn't align with what we're doing. So I also believe that it's important, whether you're in a business with partners, whether you're married, everybody has to be on the same page all the time. Mm -hmm. And I have the best communication and we have open communication with partners in business because that is the only way to always figure out how to make a decision. And you don't always have to agree. That's the thing where people get wrong. They're like, right. oh, no, I got to always agree. It's, no, you don't. You don't always have to agree. Yep. You can agree to disagree. Yes. But I think it's good to have the commu the open communication. Right, because that's eliminating yeah. errors. If everybody agreed all the time, you'd never improve anything. <laughs> David Deutsch wrote a book, a really great book on science called The Beginning of Infinity, where he explains the difference between good science and bad science. And good science is basically good science is built on very specific explanations that are hard to vary. So for example, we used to think that the earth was the center of the universe because that's what we thought. And then even then, I think it was the Greeks, they had stories and myths about why we had winter and summer. And it was like some, I forget the details, but some girl was kidnapped and taken to Hades and, and is like forced <laughs> to be with this man. So the world cries and we have winter while she's gone, but he, her mom went and made a deal with the devil. And so she gets to come home to visit her family once a year. And that's why we have spring and summer. But it's just so easy to vary the details. And if you go to a different part of the world, Southeast Asia, they don't have winter. They don't have snow. So that explanation failed. It's right. Like you can vary the details and get the same result. And so that's not a good explanation. And so how we figured out that we were not the center of the universe is it was theorized long before that we, it was the sun, but there was no way to prove that until we developed telescopes. And I forget his name, but there's a gentleman, maybe it was Galileo, but I'm not sure. I think it was someone that proved Galileo's theory. And basically he, with his telescope, could observe 
just like we have like a full moon and a crescent moon and a half moon. So we have those, but he also observed the same thing with Venus. Mm. And so the only way that it would match up with geometry and the math of it was if the sun was in the center and these things were rotating around us, that would explain it was a, such a specific, like it's at this degrees, just like longitude and latitude. It's at this degrees at this. And it was so specific. You couldn't vary any of the details without ruining the explanation and not getting the end result. And I forget how I got to this whole thing, but yeah, I forget how I got on that big wrong rant, but I thought it was an important message. So I hopefully, <laughs> but I love what you're saying about everyone being on the same page all the time. Because there is collective consciousness and we all yeah, have we're to talking together. about communication oh, and not being why, right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You can't always agree. You have to be able to eliminate right. errors and without 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 being able. So we talked about the good these books. There's static societies and dynamic societies. And in static societies, they oppress new ideas and new things to do, right? Ways of doing stuff. They just want to stick with tradition. But then that means you never eliminate any errors. And a lot of people they fantasize about, oh, I wish I could go back to the medieval ages, but if you knew what it was like, where like infant mortality, like a woman would have six kids because only three would survive and things. There's a lot of pain and trauma. And technically the earth has not been very hospitable for us, right? Like I'm from Canada. You couldn't live. The pioneers that first went to Canada, Canada, they all died. Like they got their spring. They're like, <laughs> wow, this place is great. They had a great summer. And then winter came and killed them all until they figured out how to, how they created new knowledge on how to have an insulated building, how to heat that building, how to feed yourself during the winter. So the earth is not this like garden of Eden that some people like to fantasize about the hostile environment. Surgeons used to kill people because they had the bacteria and germs until we figured out about soap and hand sanitizer. So it's okay to disagree. You can't shy away from it. It's important. It's just that we need to be able to disagree on issues, but still love each other and demonstrate love towards each other and yeah. separate the issues from the people. I yeah. think it's a sign of maturity. I, I think that's a sign of maturity. So a huge sign of maturity. And I think as I look at my younger children that are married and have kids and some of the arguments they have and disagreements, and we just roll our eyes and laugh because we're so much wiser and older and those little things just don't mean anything anymore. But you don't, you can't learn that in a book. That's something that's really learned through experience. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So where do you think things are going? AI is here. Are you think we're all going to be on universal basic income? That we're all just going to be <laughs> lining up to the bread line to get our bugs and bread for the day. Where do you think things are going to be in five, 10, 15, 20 years from now? I don't even know. I have a lot of friends in cryptocurrency and I have not dabbled in that kind of world yet. I feel like I'm so very traditional in the way that I, in the way that I work. However, I say that, but yet you and I are in totally different countries filming a podcast right now on different time zones, on different parts of the earth. And this wouldn't have been possible 20 years ago. I, back in what, 20 20 years ago, the web started. Back then right. we were mailing things. We didn't have email. It was literally 20 years ago. I think about that because it was like 2000, right? 2002. I think about all of that and how far we've come that I'm excited about a lot of the new technology that has come to us. But I think the thing that scares me the most is with that new good technology 
comes equal bad technology. How do mm. I'm not sure how to explain that, but yeah. I'll give an example. I posted my husband and I just bought some new furniture in our house and I posted my furniture for sale on Facebook marketplace. I immediately got connected with people that were scamming me. They wanted, they're like, I need to know you're real. You got to send me your cell phone number. And then they start sending you all this fake crap that spam that they want you to open to get into your phone. And I told my husband, I said, I, I'm just dumbfounded that we live in a world where you try to help other people by saying, hey, I have some used furniture. This could be great for your house. And then before you know it, you're scammed. And then on top of that, $500 billion is traded for sex trafficking. So I, I feel that there's a lot of forces of good in the world. Mm -hmm. Equally, there are forces of evil. And that mm -hmm. will be the same with technology. Forces mm -hmm. of good in technology, forces of evil. So I tend to lean on the good side. <laughs> I'm optimistic. I pray. I believe in God. Those are my things. And so I know based on books I read, which would be the Bible, I know that it has to get worse. Right. And I didn't even know it could get worse. And then in the last five years, I think <laughs> it's gotten so bad that no one even hides anything anymore. It's just, we just do it now right out in the open. Yeah. So I do believe that this, there will be so much more good and equally there will be so much more bad until the struggle becomes real. And I believe that eventually evil will take over. And I just don't know when that's going to be. But if you want my true opinion on that, that's sure. how I feel about no, I, that's fine. I think there's room for all of it. A lot of people want to, I used to be very atheist, science, all this stuff, but all science is based on one miracle, the big bang. Science is like, Hey, if you just give me the big bang, I will explain everything else to you. <laughs> Okay, but we're like, what caused the Big Bang? And there's a limit there. And so long story short is all this came from somewhere. And the older I get, the more I really do believe in good and evil. And I've seen it. I've been fortunate enough to travel the world a couple of times over and be in different countries. And I've seen it. People come from certain situations where they just, they just don't care. They will eat you for nothing. They will eat you. They'll stomp on your kids' faces just to get to where they're going faster. It's just a fact of life. Not everybody. And we need that. We need divert diversity is stability. You need that. Right. If everything was mono, like we just need that. Um, just like we need all yeah. the different notes and all the different colors of the rainbow. Diversity. And I believe in free agency. I right. think that we all have free agency. We're not locked down to one way and everyone gets to choose. And so knowing that we have free agency to choose, you can choose good or evil. You can choose right or wrong. There's an opposite to every side, right? Yep. There's yep. always, there's a positive, there's a negative, there's a right, there's a wrong. So you just have to make the decision where you choose to go in life. And again, I'm probably not the best person that stays on top of all the technology and everything going on out there. But I will tell you that I will always choose to do good. Mm. And I, I think even in every business decision I make, I'm not going to short other people. I'm not going to do bad business. I, I believe in what you talked about when we opened this show, which is when you did that survey in your school, they wanted soft skills. They right. That's what the society is craving is connection. We want that with other people. And so the more that I can be that beacon of good and the more that I can be that beacon of right and 
goodness and kindness, then I'm going to attract more of those people toward me. Yeah, I agree. I think there's two different kind of arenas that we compete in in life. And I do believe, like I see the life as a friendly place, not a hostile place, but life is a competition. The sperm had to compete to get into the egg. Like it's just from the beginning to the end, it's, you can get really philosophical because it's like, when did I become, when did you become you? Were you when the sperm and the egg met? Were you in the series of events that cascaded to create the situation where you were conceived? Were you when your heart started? Are you when you exit the vagina? At what point do you become you? And if it's the cascade of events that helped create you, how far back does that go? Like I, when I drive down the road, I always appreciate the people that dedicated their lives to sit in the hot sun to pave that road. The people, if I left you, what is it? If I left you alone in the woods with some matches and knives, how long till you come back to me with a smartphone that you had made yourself? Like we all stand on the work of others. And so there's you versus you where we are just trying to be our best. And and then there's us versus society and excellence. So we talked about before dynamic versus static societies. I think that's part of why you say there is good and evil, but they also say the path to to hell is paved with good intentions. But most people, they don't necessarily think they're doing something bad. They just, it's based on their priorities. This is the best option. And the lesser of maybe sometimes we've all had to make decisions of the lesser of two evils, so to speak. And in the pursuit of excellence, the ideas of excellence, I do believe in evolution that we're all trying to grow and evolve. And for that, people have to test because otherwise, if we just all did the same thing and we never tried anything new, we would never grow, never learn. But I think that over time, some rules are written in blood. And those are rules that we need to maybe respect and beware if you're going to challenge those rules, so to speak, because maybe somebody needs to test them to make sure that they're still valid. But yeah, it's interesting to see. I think we'll see where things go. I don't think we're going to become, I don't think we need to worry about some AI doomsday. I think, like you said, there's always been opportunity and difficulty. I think that we have to stay ahead. I think that you can be made obsolete, but it's just like with accountants. And this is the analogy I use all the time when calculators came out. Accountants and bookkeepers used to have to do the math themselves. And when calculators came out, the productive ones became more productive and the non-productive ones lost their excuses. (laughs) And they had to go find something else to do. Bro, why did it take you? You got a calculator now. Why did it take you three days to do two plus two? Come on. And so it's almost like you really need to listen to your heart, your soul, find your icky guy, you know, your reason for being and living that intersection between your passion, yeah. your purpose, and what people will pay you for and pursue that and make your life yeah. about that. And yeah. It's, when Uber came out, it was like one of my favorite ways to travel because yeah. I was always on the phone. And when I needed to get somewhere, especially in a different city, because I traveled a lot for work, still do. I just wanted to be able to get on the app, schedule something, be on a phone call, be on a conference call, do what I not talk to the person, not have to write a check or give them a car boy back in the day. I don't know if you remember that before we had like carry gold coins everywhere we went. (laughs) It's so crazy. I just thought, wow, that is a huge leap in technology to me being able to just call a car when you need it and have it available at your fingertips. Now I look at AI and I'm thinking, wow, like the way that we're able to use technology for writing and for thoughts and for this technology that we have with computers and how I can take a computer with me, like a laptop. How crazy is that? I I run every business I have on a laptop. It's yep. to create, and I can take that little laptop with me everywhere I go because we have something called the cloud now. There's just in crazy ways that we're advancing, and right. these advancements are 
helping us be able to do our businesses faster, to be able to build better relationships. So I embrace all of that for us to be able to do things quicker. Look at when we got cards for the first time and you could access money from an ATM and people were like, oh, I don't, I can not have to worry about the bank being open for the hours, all those tiny little things like before cell phones, I got my first cell phone at 21. So you go way back. Like you couldn't talk on the phone unless you were physically on a landline, right? your house. So I look at all of these as advancements that help us build faster, that help us build smarter. And so I utilize that technology to my advantage. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, Hey, I'm staying away from all that. I'm not using any of this chat GBT. I'm not, I'm like, you should dip into it and try it out a little bit. You'd be surprised at how awake it's going to make your brain to be able to really assist you in planning and the way, the way that you're writing content, whatever it is that you're using it for questions that you would want to ask that aren't coming to your mind because you haven't been able to access that part of your brain. Why not? Why not right. happen? Yeah, there wasn't a big political debate about indoor plumbing. People were like, hey, this is great. <laughs> this is great. I can just push a button and it's taken right. away from my home. Hot water? Yeah. Coming Hot from water? the spout? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> Sign me up. There was no yeah. political debate about this. So pursuing yeah, I don't see anyone building fires in their backyard to cook dinner. They're right. definitely right. using their own stoves. So it's like, this is just another advancement. Right. We're tools. We, we build, we're not tools. You know? we, some people are tools, but we build tools. <laughs> That's what's always chain create. That's what separate us from all the animals on the planet, our ability to create. And yeah. use tools. But you also need to be careful because there are, like I said earlier, not everything in the jungle kills you and eats you. So you do have to be careful about predatory relationships. Cloud computing is really powerful. It's very enabling, but you also have to remember that cloud computing really is just putting all your stuff on someone else's computer. So you have to be aware of that as well, right? Now that said, it is super liberating. You see my background, I got the beach and stuff. That's because that's where I went and lived for two years. And I, I still work remotely from time to time. So there's pros and cons, but that's where we have this kind of yin-yang ebb and flow seesaw of opportunity, difficulty, good and bad, where bad may be pure evil, okay, but bad also a certain percentage of it is just good intentions gone awry, so to speak. And it's, hey, we're all going to die in the end anyway. So you just try to do the best you can live by your values and try to make the world a better place. I think that's really a good, a good spot to be pretty much what I live by. They should just put that on my business card, Daryl. There you go. (laughs) There you go. So this has been a great call. There's, I've got a couple of pages of notes. People may want to listen to this more than once. If people want to know more and reach out to you and find you, where should they go? My website is probably the best. I Love Google, and I've spent a lot of years building my SEO. Anyone can Google Colleen Biggs, but if you go to ColleenBiggs.net, you're going to find out more about me. You can get on my newsletter. You can book a call with me. That's where you're going to just learn really everything about me. Um, And then eventually I'm going to build that out, Daryl, because I would love to have a place where you know, where people can really learn about more about my family, more about the other businesses I own. But that's what Google's for, right? It's the cloud of your digital footprint of where you've been and what you do. So that's right. So go check out Colleen Biggs, C-O-L-E-N-B-I-G-S dot net. Colleen, before we sign off, is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Yeah, yeah. There's one thing you didn't ask me and the difference between you and I are gender. You're a man. I'm a woman. And I get the 
And I get the question a lot. What is it like to be a woman in business? Mm. A lot. Because I live in America and in America, the government still qualifies, quantifies, and a woman is a minority still here in America, actually. That's strange. strange. Very strange. But when I started a business and I went on to register my business as a woman-owned business, it calls it out of minority. And I literally was looking everywhere. I think I'm on the wrong page. So I went through and started really digging and figured it out. That was like a punch to the gut a little bit. Right. I wasn't expecting that. I really wasn't. I wasn't expecting you to say that either as the thing I hadn't asked. It was kind of really weird. Yeah, it was really weird. So I would say this, if you become a victim and if you decide that you're going to have a struggle because of your race, because of your gender, Mm -hmm. because of how short you are, because of how tall you are, because of anything that happened to you in your childhood, I've been a victim of a lot of things in my childhood. And as a child, you are a victim because you don't have any other choices. And I've been a victim of a lot of those things as a child. You can choose to live your life however you want to live your life based on how you want to see yourself, how you want to change the lives of others, and how you want to place yourself in this world. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to be a victim, you will be a victim for your entire life. I choose, I love being a woman because I believe that we can give life and I wouldn't want to have it any other way ever. I would never trade the place to have a child to be a man because I think they're in a more powerful position. They're in the position they are because of the choices we have all made along the way. So I choose to be a strong female. I choose to be proud of that. I choose to be proud that I was able to give life. And instead of seeing myself as a minority, no matter what that looks like, I choose to just be better and stronger and do what I need to be proud of what I build Mm. and to be kind to others, period. So I think gender comes up a lot. And now there's all these blurred lines on gender, which I won't even get into because I, whatever. I just really believe that no matter what your race or your gender is, you get to choose your place, especially as an entrepreneur, Mm. you get to choose your place. Now, I'm not even in corporate America on that one. You get to choose it. So choose it wisely. And then, you know, stand in your truth and move Mm -hmm. forward on it and don't be a victim. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really powerful final note. I want to add more, but we'll have to say that maybe for the (laughs) follow-up interview or something, because there's a lot to be said on that topic, I think. But I agree with you wholeheartedly that, yeah, we've put people on the moon. We've extended our lifespan. We've doubled our lifespan a couple of times over. We've created amazing technology. We are knowledge creation machines, so we can always create more new knowledge. We just have to make sure that we keep the same end goal in mind. What is that? I think that's part of where things are going sideways a little bit, where people are starting to have short, short-sighted goals, where it's about me and my life and I want to have a good life. But then on your deathbed, when there's no one there, to comfort you. There's no one to carry your name or your legacy forward. People start my, I think people are going to start waking up to going, Oh, maybe there were other priorities that I should have put on the table that I didn't. That's why we're all here. We're all living our own lives and the world will keep moving on. Colleen, I know you've got a, a, your own following, your own family, your own businesses to run. I really appreciate you making time in your busy schedule to come here to share with me and mine. And just thank you so much and appreciate you coming to talk and hope hope we can do it again. Daryl, you're a great host, man. 
Thanks for having me here. I had a ton of fun. This is great. Yeah, this is awesome.